the uh, in the bulletin there the other announcements. One that I miss uh, quoted or said last week was that Brother Weeks is at Benella. I, I put him a month too late, I think, wasn't that? I did, and and so he's there. Uh, the bulletin, hope, Lord willing, is correct on the fourth to the seventh of March. It's not next week, it's the week after. Is that right? Next week. Next week. This coming... Yeah. Oh, this is the first day of the week. Okay, well, <laughs> next week. So there, it, the, the dates are there on the, in the bulletin for that. And Wagga is over Easter with their prophecy conference. Okay. <clears throat> Matthew chapter 19. Um, first, the first 12 verses we've covered in our study there a couple of weeks ago. That was a, a fairly long one. And I've had that typed up, but there's a couple of things I just need to um, change on that. And we'll have that available, something just to reference if you, if you want to. So that the basic contents of that message has been typed up. There's 11 or 13 points there on that. But tonight we start with verse 13. And we read there, Then there were brought unto him little children, that he should put his hands on them and pray. And the disciples rebuked them. Jesus, but Jesus said, Suffer the little children, and forbid them not to come unto me, for as such is the kingdom of heaven. And he laid his hands on them and departed from there. And behold, one came said unto him, Good master, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? And he said unto him, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but God. But if thou wilt enter into life, keep the commandments. And he said unto him, Which? Jesus said, Thou shalt not murder, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness. Honour thy father and thy mother, and thou shalt love the Lord, oh, sorry, thou shalt love thy neighbour as thyself. The young man said unto him, All these have I kept from my youth up, what lack I yet? And Jesus said unto him, If thou wilt be perfect, go and sell what thou hast, and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come and follow me. But the young man, when he heard that saying, went away sorrowful, for he, was, for he had great possessions. Then Jesus said unto his disciples, Verily I say unto you, that a rich man shall hardly enter into the kingdom of heaven, and again I say unto you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of heaven, or kingdom of God. When his disciples heard it, they were exceedingly amazed. That's been said a little bit earlier in verse 10, wasn't it? <laughs> they were amazed at the saying of Christ here, and, said unto, and Jesus said unto them, With men things, this is impossible, but with God all things are possible and so let's pray thank you for this written word that we have and lord i pray that it might be a blessing to to each of us an encouragement to have a right perspective of life and the right perspective of children too lord we thank you for this and your love to all to this rich man and to these little children and your ministry to each and every person that you bring and offer the great salvation that you've offered to us. Guide us through the word tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. 
So we've seen marriage in the kingdom. If you're looking at the outline on the back of the bulletin, uh, the salient factors in the case of divorce, verses 1 to 12, and the silent factor in the case of divorce, verse 13, that we've just read down to verse 15. Little children were brought to the Lord Jesus. And I don't think it's a mistake that it's right here after his discussion on divorce. Who, and the Lord knew, who are the ones that hurt the most when a divorce occurs? The children, the innocents. And here they're right there and and this happened to be right at this time that this was brought up to the Lord. Little children were brought to Jesus. The purpose in verse 13, it tells us um, that he should put his hands on them and pray and the disciples rebuked them. And so the parents were eager to have the Lord's blessing upon their their children from from the king of kings. I don't know that they fully understood who Jesus was, but they knew from his teaching that he was someone special and from his ministry and from his miracles. Now, there's no mistaking that little children were brought upright on this occasion. And the word little children is paideon, young children. And in Luke chapter 18 and verse 15, that's parallel to this passage, it's, they're called infants, or brephos, newborn babes, that are mentioned there in Luke 18 verse 15. So the Lord was asked to bless the little children. And the problem that we see here <coughs> What was the disciples' reaction in verse 13, the, la- the latter part of it? And the disciples rebuked them. Rebuked them. Children are very important. Children are a heritage of the Lord. Doesn't it say that in Scripture? Why do we have children? <laughs> yes, in obedience to the Lord in fill the earth... And the amount of children being born around the world is enormous right now, as we may notice in a little bit. But do we have children to say, oh, these are my children? Now, I know every child is proud of their... I mean, every parent is proud of their children. Are we not? <laughs> like to own them and uh, talk about them. Do we have them so that, like in some cultures where there are security for our old age? Do we say, well, I want a a boy so that he can look after me in my old age for our own security? There's many different reasons. But we are given a great responsibility when we have children. As I said to someone with newborn this week, I said, this little one is all that can go to heaven with you nothing of anything else you do in life can go to heaven but this child can this is a, this is a being being born into time that will exist for eternity in hell or in heaven and so they are a priority to us uh, very important we train them up in the way of the Lord and that they don't depart from the way of the Lord. We love them always. Uh, we, we don't have children so they can serve us 
Our ministry is serving and ministering to them as the Lord ministers to us, as his children, to meet their needs, to provide for them. And if a man provide not for his own house, he is worse than an infidel, it says in Scripture. And it goes even further in the book of Proverbs there, to leave an inheritance. And in the book of Corinthians, I think it is there, Paul talked about the parents' responsibility to, toward the children. And a godly man leaves a heritage to his children's children. Now, that can be, yes, a spiritual inheritance, but there may be some physical things involved there too. And so they're important. And the problem, the, the problem of the disciples here, get these children away. <laughs> uh, move them away. Don't ask for God's blessing. Don't, don't tie God's time up with looking after these little ones. <laughs> and um, the Lord really was very upset when the disciples said what they did here. Um, <clears throat> we rarely find the Lord being angered. He said, be ye angry and sin not. But Jesus said in verse 14, suffer the little children to come unto me. Little children are blessed by the Lord Jesus. <laughs> the great fact is seen here. And God's heart still goes out to little children. And as we, and even as unsafe people, see little children being mistreated... It irritates us, it upsets us to see little children being mistreated. And I think they've called a truce in, in the, that town in Syria, haven't they? The United Nations got a truce set up so they can get the kids out of that place being bombed with barrel bombs, indiscriminately just flattened everything. And uh, Russian bombs coming down and they, they don't try to justify where they hit, they just... Do, do the whole thing. And children, and you can hear them, if you've heard them on the news, screaming, kids screaming, with the things of the injuries there. And all around the world, what about all the, un, the murdered unborn babies? The abortions that are happening, millions of them around the world, especially in the Western world. And the Lord's heart is grieved for these children. He has great compassion for them. And his heart goes out and his arms are wide open to the little ones. May our arms be also. We see the gracious act in verse 15. Um, forbid them not, he said, to come unto me, for as such is the kingdom of heaven. Don't forbid your children to receive the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, we, we, we shouldn't talk them into it, into salvation. But, but make ready sure that at any opportunity they want to talk about the Lord, we're there available to talk to them about the Lord. Don't say, I'm too busy talking to, to Mr. or Senior or Pastor or someone else so-and-so. <laughs> make sure you've got time to spend with them. You see, when you, when you get older, you want them to talk to you. <laughs> and they'll say, well, Dad, you, you said buzz off. When I was little, now I'll say, Dad, you buzz off. You see, the chickens come home to roost, but a long time later, open their every opportunity, open their hearts to the Lord, to the ministry of the word. And it's a, a wise parent that doesn't send their children to Sunday school, but brings their children to Sunday school. Isn't that right? And then enjoys it with them. Enjoys it. And I pray that we are family church orientated here at the church that we minister to these little ones. They are important. Their thoughts are important. And so take 
as it is, take, he took them in his arms and blessed them. Uh, Mark 10 verse 16 reads that. And uh, f- folk, parents, if you fight with one another and argue and separate in divorce, it can turn the children away from the Lord if you call yourself Christian. I was <clears throat> listening to someone commenting on another family, so this is so far removed, you won't be able to sort it out. <laughs> and they said, and th- this is the case, you homeschool your children. Now, I'm not going anything against that, but you homeschool your children, but mum and dad, you're fighting with each other like a cat and a dog. And you call yourself Christians. What are you doing to your children? Is this the way Christians behave? You see, we need to get it right and get it right in our lives. <laughs> with children, you don't get a second chance, do you? They grow and they go. <laughs> they go out and get married. And so... Do it as the Lord would have. Open your arms. And I think with the camps and the children's ministries we have, it's a blessing to see the children come and enjoy themselves. And uh, it's said that some kids can't wait to come to church. And we've had unsaved people, and I pray it hasn't been for Christians too, the discipline they do with their children is not letting them go to club. Uh, No, that's backwards. (laughs) Don't do that. And some trying to stop them and there are unsafe people going to camp to hear about the Lord. Let's be gracious as the Lord was to children, to these little ones. I wonder with all the sayings back in the other chapter of this chapter, they talk about those little children. When the Lord comes to take us, us his children home in the rapture, will he leave a Christian's children down here and take mum and dad to heaven? Do you see what I'm trying to ask? <laughs> mum and dad get raptured and little kids that aren't, don't understand yet are left here. Do you think the Lord would do that? I don't, I don't believe he will. I don't believe he will. At that age of accountability and God knows. If we take that out to what about unsaved people's children when the rapture happens? It's going to happen, and you know what? When it happens, it'll be the largest population in the world ever that will be on planet Earth, just by looking at it today. What about unsaved people's children? Ask yourself that question. I don't, it doesn't give a direct answer in the Scripture, but I think the Lord is very gracious and merciful. And if he does take all of that, all of those people, little ones, that he has his arms open to, I've heard it argued he only take the saved people's children. If he does take that many, you know, it's 1.5 to 2 billion people just in children that could get raptured at the time of the rapture. If that occurred, now I'll just go and think this through, if that occurred... What won't there be for at least five years, and I know seven, on earth? All schools will be closed. All teachers' jobs made redundant. Imagine the parents who have lost, well, not lost, well, their children have gone. Just thinking it through, the logics of it.
But Pastor McConnell, have you ever preached on that? Okay, <laughs> we'll leave it to him to make the decision, in other words. But it's, it's amazing to think about it. You know, and I think there will be a lot of souls in heaven. I know that, and, and I don't take it for granted, but when our children were little, we're emphasising the importance of getting saved, becoming a Christian, but not pushing that, saying you've got to. It's a, this is a choice, of, it's their choice and God working in their heart to bring them to the Lord. Uh, <clears throat> so that's a very important little portion about children, the Lord's open arms. <laughs> I think Pastor McConnell had that ready. <laughs> he was thinking through that before. And, and why don't you think of it for eternity? Won't it be great to get to heaven and have all the children? And it would be great to have all the grandchildren <laughs> when you think of it. And the... the they say, my grandma, that she doesn't know yet. She's in, she's in heaven, grandma's. <laughs> but slowly but surely, some are dying and, get, and, and going there. And there's another, and there's another, you know. What a wonderful thing to be able to spend eternity, not saying that we're spending it all in a family together, but, but they got in God's family together for eternity. Motives in the kingdom now, in verse 16 and following. <clears throat> There's a proposal put here in verse 16 to 22. And behold, one came and said unto him, Good master, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? <laughs> you notice his question, what good thing can I do that I might have eternal life? A loaded question, but he, he didn't understand the Lord. How many good things can we do to get to heaven? No good thing. <laughs> and there's none good, no, not one, the scriptures do say. <laughs> and, there's, and, and we can't do to get to heaven either, can we? You can't work your way to heaven. So this man thought that, and most people think that way. What can I do to get to heaven? What good thing can I do to get to heaven? The desire was good, the proposal no good. <laughs> and the eight old age-old problem with this proposal I cannot earn salvation as it says in Ephesians 2 8 for by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves it is a gift of God not of underlined works lest any man should boast what will people do to earn salvation almost anything as you think of it you think of Naaman the leper try to earn salvation I can go up and wash in the stream I want to wash in not in this dirty creek down here <laughs> And I'll do what, no, and, and eventually, you know, the, the servant said to, the, to Naaman, you know, if, if, if he'd asked you to do some great thing, wouldn't have you done it? <laughs> yeah. But <clears throat> yeah, the police after him. <laughs> um, <clears throat> false religious systems. Roman Catholicism. They're all talking about working your way to heaven, paying your way, penance. Pilgrimage, fasts, floggings, deeds, denying self, but they can't get you to heaven. <clears throat> People in the day when the Lord judges in Matthew chapter 7, verse 21 and 23 will say, Lord, Lord, how many wonderful works have I done? And the Lord will say unto them what? I never knew you. You can't 
work your way to heaven. So this is the man's desire now. We see the man's discovery in verse 17. And he said, unto, the Lord said unto him, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one. <laughs> so the Lord used this man's question and turned it into another question. Uh, and for him, and a, and a statement about himself. There is none good but God. So he's turned this, and so quick was the Lord <laughs> to be able to come back with a very profound answer. Um, <clears throat> He's saying, there's none good but God. Who are you asking here? You're asking God in the flesh. But if thou will enter into life, keep the commandments. So it sounds like, oh, there's a way to work your way to heaven. Keep the commandments. But the Lord was heading in a direction here that the man wasn't expecting. And so in, in effect, he was asking, am I me a man or am I God? The Lord was asking in, in, to this man and the claim of the law there in verse 17 that we've already read live a perfect life is that possible no for all have sinned to come short of the glory of God <clears throat> the 10 commandments of the law had been stretched out to 613 laws and nobody could keep them all now we know that they were added by man but nothing less than perfection is acceptable. And the scriptures in the New Testament say if you break one, you break all the law. And you're guilty of all, as it says. So what the man, what the man demonstrated in verse 18 and 19, he said unto him, Which thou shalt do no murder, and go through, thou shalt no adultery, not steal, nor bear false witness. Honour your father and mother, and shalt love thy neighbour as thyself. And so which ones did the Lord raise? Well, the individual and inclusive commandments covering human relationships is ones that the Lord brought up here of the ten. So five of the ten, sixth through to the ninth commandments, and the fifth there is a duty of man. And Christ excluded the first and through to the fourth commandments and the tenth, which deals there with other things. Um, do we have a love for our fellow man? Do we keep the commandments toward the people down here? What about all the other ones he didn't say that have our, to do with our relationship to God? And what the man declared, the young man said, all of these have I kept from my youth up. Notice that from my youth up, I might have broken them before I could understand. But from, I might have yelled at my brother and got angry with my sister or whatever. What lack I yet? You know, I've done that. I'm, I've passed the test. <laughs> and this man declared his love, sorry, his good life, all these things. And it showed that he's self-deceived. He didn't understand himself as far as God saw him. He saw himself differently. Every man will proclaim his own goodness, won't he? But he also, his great lack, he declared in saying what he said. He kept the letter of the law, but not the spirit of the law. Love thy neighbour as thyself. The Lord knew when he was coming to this point in this young man's, young man's life, that he was going to, the Lord was going to expose him that he loved himself more than anyone else. And that's where the Lord brought up in verse 21, what the man discerned. And it reads, Jesus said, If thou wilt be perfect, go sell what thou hast and give it to the poor. And you'll have great, great treasures in heaven. <clears throat> and come follow me. 
You see the Lord put his finger on the pulse of this man and realize where this man's love really lied. <laughs> he, you know, he may, he may have been able to do all the other things that he said he could do because he was rich. Some other people might not have been able to keep all those things if they were poor. Um, remember in the Old Testament law, if a man stole to feed his necessity, the guilt was not as strong or the, the, the payment was not as um, strong or the punishment wasn't as bad as, as the man who stole just to stole, steal for, to, put, to add to what he had already. But this man didn't have, wasn't tempted in that way because he, he had all that he would need. And so <clears throat> his great lack, he kept the letter, but not the spirit of the law. If you not loved your neighbor, you wouldn't have kept this all for yourself. And then this ties in with the morning message, doesn't it? <laughs> About riches and money. Uh, <clears throat> what the man discerned in verse 21 to 22 from the Lord saying, he, in verse 22, he, the young man heard that saying, he went away very sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Did money have him or he have money? Money had his heart, didn't it? And the test is put. Now the man discerned what the Lord was driving at. You don't love me. You're not going to heaven. You, you, this is controlling your life. You're under the love of mammon, and it's the root of all evil. Can't you see what your problem is? You know, I think if we were around in the Lord's time and we asked questions, we would be put on the spot the same. He could expose things we didn't even see ourselves. We didn't understand. There were, there were black spots in our life that we couldn't see. Others, other people can see. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> that uh, you can you can see other people's faults and you can name them to a T, but you can't see your own. But if you really want to know, ask them. But react correctly. <laughs> don't ask if you don't want to know, <laughs> because they might come out with some things and oh, you're my enemy now. No, <laughs> a man will tell you the truth that loves you, won't he? Just as the Lord told this man the truth. Because he loved him, as it reads here. And so, <clears throat> really, this man was saying, I don't love my neighbour, I love myself. That's what he was saying here. The tragedy in verse 22, there he went away, he had great possessions. He come to the threshold of entering into the kingdom and money stopped him. I wonder where that rich man is now. What does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? And he looks back from the other side of death and wishes that he had that opportunity again to say, I'll sell it all. And I know that anybody that entered out into hell forever would say, I would sell it all to have another opportunity to come back and live life and give it to the poor that they too might be blessed as I was blessed, like the rich man and Lazarus. But, but even as, as we look at that parable, we think of, oh, no, 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 that story. As we look at that story, we think he still didn't have a right perspective of what decisions he should have made even when he got into hell. 
Yeah, the tip of your foot, just, just a, give me an ocean to drink, please. <laughs> Not just a drop of water on my tongue. But <clears throat> So this man, where is he now? This is a real story about a real man that met the Lord Jesus. Uh, the Lord loved him. The Lord wanted him to come. But it seems he walked away from salvation. How many people have come so close, yet have gone away so far? You know, the Lord comes and knocks on our door. We need to be ready to say, yes, Lord, I believe. We have no guarantee that he comes through his spirit and knocks again. Through his grace and mercy, he may. So the tragedy is that he made a decision. Riches had his heart. Um, <clears throat> And verse 23, down to 30, the problem, a problem we could say in the outline there, Jesus said unto his disciples, Verily I say unto you, that a rich man shall hardly enter into the kingdom of heaven. And again I say unto you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of heaven. And I'm trying to think where it was. We went through the eye of a needle. Jill and I went through the eye of a needle. But it was in Israel, and they illustrated this in a literal way. You, it might have been at the Nazareth, re, recreated Nazareth. It was in a building, it was double story, and was down the bottom story. And they said, now we're going to take you through the eye of a needle. And we all, yeah. <laughs> and then they had this massive, big door, as, big, as wide as this, but it was higher than this. And then they had a little door in, in the big door. And that's what it was. And they opened the little door and everyone, one at a time, went sideways through the little door. And so it, it's not like through a needle, but through the, this gate that was in the big gate. And uh, it, was, it was good for, shut the gates, the enemy's coming. But a little gate for our, a few to get through, the last few to get through. That's sort of these gates were used in that way. But the Lord's assertion here, 23 to 24, and the principle is revealed in that verse. How many places do riches on this earth give us access to? A lot of places, don't they? But riches cannot buy a place in heaven. And that's told to us in First. Peter 1 verse 18 and 19 it's not a gold or silver or anything it's the precious blood of Christ that allows us entry into heaven riches don't buy us that way wealth down here translates into power power into popularity and then popularity into pride and pride slams heaven's door shut and the, <clears throat> the principle is repeated there again I say to you again I say and the disciples' astonish, disciples astonishment in verse 25 to 26. But the, his disciples heard it. They were exceedingly amazed and saying, Who can be saved? Who then can be saved? Jesus beheld them. Now, now just a moment ago, what did we talking about? We've already talked about it. The children. Little children. Forbid them not to enter in. And later, uh, earlier in chapter 18, if you have the faith of a little child, you'll enter in. And the disciples are now asking, who can be saved? This is impossible. Huh. No, it's not impossible. Huh. The disciples were shocked as they were shocked when he talked about 
divorce and remarriage back in verse 10. They were, yeah, it's not possible. It shouldn't, then we shouldn't get married, they said back then. Uh, <clears throat> let's turn to 1 Timothy and we'll conclude with 1 Timothy chapter 6, a few verses just to think of about the riches. I won't be preaching on them next Sunday morning, <laughs> having touched on a, both services today. 1 Timothy chapter 6. Why are riches such a problem even for Christians? Well, verse 5 of chapter 6. Perverse disputings of men of corrupt minds and destitute of the truth, supposing that gain is godliness from such withdraw yourself. People think that because they're prosperous or rich, that's godliness. And we have a wrong perception if we think that. And a lot of churches are into that today, as we mentioned this morning, the prosperity gospel. Verse 9, but they that will be rich fall into temptations. You know, if you're rich, you fall into temptations and a snare and into many foolish and hurtful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. Maybe that's why most of us are poor. Because the Lord knows if we had it, it would drown us in temptations and we fall into those. And many hurtful lust. Some can handle it, some can't. So <clears throat> there's those two, those three there. Drown men in destruction and perdition. And verse 10. For the love of money is the root of all evil. And that can get into us and affect us and infect us. So that we, well, I've arrived. I don't need God anymore. Look at all of I've got. Oh, who gave it to you? <laughs> who blessed you with that? I think... If we can't be trusted with that which is least, as the Lord Jesus said, and what was it? Mammon, the mammon of unrighteousness. How can be, you be trusted with true riches, the, the gospel and eternal life and sharing that with other people? And, and, and that, for a Christian and his reaction and his attitude toward money, you can discern where their attitude to spiritual things often is. If they've got a wrong attitude toward money, they'll be definitely wrong toward spiritual things. As it, there's three things in verse 10. The love of money, the root of all evil. Coveting riches, we error from the faith. And coveting riches, we pierce ourselves through with many sorrows. Have you seen rich people pierce through with many sorrows? If you've known rich people. Now, injury occurs from that. Verse 17. Charge them that are rich in this world that they be not high-minded... Now, now, don't be proud about it, nor trust in those things you've got, uncertain riches, but in the living God who giveth us all, richly all things to enjoy. <laughs> Praise God that he has provided what he has. Riches skew our values to high-mindedness. Riches make us self-reliant and not trust in the Lord and trust in uncertain riches. And back there in Matthew, verse 26 of chapter 19, But Jesus beheld them and said unto them, With men this is impossible. Praise God, but with him, God, all things are possible. Rich people can be saved. Those that are rich can have the right perspective and the right attitude toward them and use them. And praise God for people who are Christians, who are rich, who give to the Lord and the ministry of the Lord. And thank the Lord for them. And we've 
You might have known a few, you may not have known a few, but when a rich man gives, it is a blessing to all. And all can share in the spiritual blessings and benefits that come from that as they give physically. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for this study on rich people and the riches that can get our heart and draw us away and stop us entering into eternal life. But praise God for those that are saved and use their riches for the blessing and benefits of others spiritually. Lord, bless the little children, for of such is the kingdom of heaven. And I pray that you would minister to each one of them in the church through the parents and through the preaching of the word and through the teaching of the word and through the, col the clubs at church here. Lord, may your eternity be filled with little ones that have come to faith and little ones that haven't, Lord, you, we leave it in your hands. And one day that you'll, you'll sort it all out and we leave it with you to judge. Lord, bless us as we part and may we go our way rejoicing <clears throat> in Christ for the riches we have in him. We ask and pray in his name. Amen. <clears throat>